our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. This is episode number 24. Tonight's special guest is Nick Pope, Diary of a Real X-Files Investigator. Nick is the real Fox Mulder and will take us step by step so that we can all learn what his job was all about and will share with us the most intriguing cases he had the privilege to investigate at the British Ministry of Defense. Nick will be with us shortly. Although French journalist Bernard Toinelle was supposed to be part of this show, I decided to give him a full show. We discussed the Cometa report and multiple military officer and pilot testimony about their UFO encounters. I deemed Bernard's interview very valuable and will air the show separately in the near future. The Veritas show is syndicated by the following affiliates, K-Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network, and the Paranormal Radio Network, UPRN 105.8 FM, New Orleans. Listen to the Veritas show on iTunes and RSS feeds throughout cyberspace. And if you listen through iTunes, please remember to rate us and leave feedback. We are heard in 122 countries. Next week's special guest is Alfred Weber, the father of exopolitics. On the following week, Whitley, Streber, and Yvonne Smith, the abduction special. If you need to get in touch with me and send your comments and or to submit questions to our future guests, send an email to mail at veritasshow.com or head on to our website and click on the contact button. I want to thank all the new subscribers and remind you that the Manticore Forum is now a benefit to all of you. 
When you subscribe to Veritas, you will have full access to the forum and you'll be able to post and download. If you're not a member of Veritas, you can still join the forum, but you will only be able to read and won't be able to post or download. When you figure that a soda these days costs about $1 and has no nutritional value, for only 17 cents a day, you can listen to our full shows and be connected to a growing international community at our forum, which is open 24-7. To become a member, simply go to our website, veritasshow.com, and click on subscribe. It's very simple, and you'll enjoy full membership benefits immediately. I will continue working hard to provide value. Oh, and for those of you who used to be concerned about big files, or those of you who have dial-up, you'll be pleased to know that we've divided the shows into two files, and I've also included a lo-fi version so that those of you without digital cable can download them without a problem. Also, you may have heard that we're transcribing the shows so that the hearing impaired can also enjoy the show and the interviews. Any volunteer out there that transcribes the show, I will give you a three-month free membership to Veritas and the forum. If you would like to volunteer and transcribe a show, contact us at transcribe at veritasshow.com. Again, the email address to send to us is transcribe at veritasshow.com. Or visit our website for more information at veritasshow.com. And now to some headlines. Bilderberg attendee. Obama officials gave briefings at secret elite meeting. Kennedy linked U.S.-Soviet lunar missions with classified UFO files. European Exopolitics Congress, Barcelona, 2009. Top 25 censored stories for 2009. Solar Cycle 24. Solar flares and social collapse are crushing cold temperatures and global famine. Exopolitics, Barbara Hanclow, Life on Mars, Financial Collapse, and Galactic Matrix by Alfred Weber. And for the rest of the story, go to our website, veritasshow.com, and click on blog. And now, get ready to dive into the diary of a real-life X-Files investigator. If you want to know what it takes to get that job, and what methodology was used in the most important cases. Don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Show. 
Nick Pope used to run the British government's UFO project at the Ministry of Defense. Initially skeptical, his investigation of newly reported UFO incidents and access to government files on the subject soon convinced him that the phenomenon raised important national security issues, especially when the witnesses were military pilots or where UFOs were tracked on radar. Nick also looked into other mysteries, such as alien abductions and crop circles. He now continues his research in a private capacity and is recognized as a leading authority on UFOs and the unexplained. He has done extensive media work, has lectured all around the world, and has acted as consultant on several TV documentaries. And directly from London, England, Nick Pope. Hello, hello. Hello, Nick, and welcome back to your third appearance on The Veritas Show, but this time as a special guest. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. It's good to be on the show again. It's our pleasure. First of all, Nick, I want to take this opportunity to congratulate you on being the recipient of Paradigm Research Group's Disclosure Award. Well, thank you very much. There, there are a couple of funny stories about that, if, if I can... Um, uh, tell them. I, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. But before you, you share the story, I just want to tell the audience that uh, next award uh, was uh, previously also uh, the recipients were Dr. Jesse Marcel, Captain Robert Salas, uh, the late senior Corrado Balducci, and the late Colonel Philip J. Corso. And I know the late, great Georgina Bruni would be very proud of you. But yeah, tell us your story. Well, I, I'm You've mentioned some very illustrious names there and people that I have tremendous respect for. And, and yes, it was a great shame that Georgina Bruni, a very good friend of mine, um, you know, sadly no longer with us, uh, yes. didn't uh, see, see that moment. But um, and, and I think uh, uh, there's someone, and I'm not trying to drop any hints, but there's someone, if anyone does, who, who deserves a, a posthumous award um, for, for her contribution to this wonderful, fascinating, and hugely important subject. Um, but my, my two stories about the award were, uh, firstly, um, the evening had been going on uh, a long time. There had been lectures and films and speeches and uh, various courses of dinner had been served. And um, uh, we were in a situation where I think it was about 11, 11.30 in the evening, and um, uh, uh, suddenly uh, Colin Andrews, I think, was given one of the awards, um, and I was pretty much on the point of saying, oh, I think I, I might turn in. Um, you know, I'm I'm obviously not going to get one of these awards. I said, I, I don't really think I fit the, the kind of exopolitical disclosure dynamic in terms of my my beliefs because where you're wrong well yeah we'll we'll probably come on to to that and my beliefs late later in the interview but um i i said i i, I you know i i thinking of uh, just going back up to the room and um frankie ma um a young tv presenter who actually lives with me she's got her own show over here on uh, Sky Channel 200, um, she suddenly nudged me because Steve Bassett was up at the microphone and announcing <laughs> the next award. And she said, it's you. And I'm, <laughs> I'm 
I, I was only half listening, and I, I said, no, you know, it's not me. I don't get these sorts of things. And suddenly I heard Steve talking about uh, uh, somebody who who's worked with the government and whose who's efforts to keep this subject in the public eye. And I was completely shocked. I, I was absolutely, completely shocked and surprised. So um, I'm media trained. Um, I've done huge amounts of television. I'm normally pretty well rehearsed. And I just went up to the microphone and I had no idea what to say because it was so totally unexpected. Yeah. That's that's incredible. So you probably thought he was talking about somebody else who had the same credentials, but uh, probably not you, huh? Well, then that's pretty much it. Yes, I, I was sure he wasn't talking about me, and um, I, I mean this as no disrespect to Steve, but it was a long evening. It was pretty late, and of course the speakers are always, um, you know, working fairly hard. Um, There's this fairly constant round, obviously, of giving your own presentation, making yourself available, and, and obviously everyone wants to um, make themselves available to, to speak to to the attendees. There are various media people who uh, want to speak to you. So it's a, it's a long day. I mean, all the days at these conferences are pretty long and pretty packed. So, uh, you know, I, I was really... Sort of, my mind wasn't really on it, and uh, suddenly Frankie, who had been listening more attentively than had I, uh, turned to me and she said, "Nick, it's you." And I said, "No, no." And as I say, suddenly I heard these words, which could only have been applicable to, to me, because there are very few people in this field who have a, you know, a government background in terms of their. Uh, investigations a lot I mean a lot of people investigate UFOs but I'm one of the few people who've done it officially exactly so, um, and I, sorry you go ahead yeah I, I was very happy to hear when I had uh, Paula Harris a couple of weeks ago and she told me the whole story so uh, we were very happy to hear that you were the recipient of that award and he did tell me about uh, how you wanted to dedicate it to uh, Georgina Bruni and speaking of uh, Ms. Bruni I've gotten so many emails from people about exploring the Rendlesham Forest incident. It seems that that, that case never goes away. I agree. Um, it's probably the world's second best-known UFO incident. That, that may be quite a provocative statement. Some of your listeners may, may disagree. They may have other cases that they feel uh, are up there. But I think in terms of its name recognition, um, and of course, it's sometimes known as the, the Rendlesham Forest incident. It's sometimes known as the Bentwaters incident. It's slightly mm -hmm. unfortunate that, that it's got two different names because it, it, it sort of splits the vote, as it were. Exactly. Confusing. Of, yeah. In terms of the number of documentaries that have been devoted to it, though, and in terms of the number of documentaries that have featured it, Um, I think it, it probably does get into second place behind Roswell. But of course, because the events took place in 1980, and because most, if not all, of the participants are still very much alive, mm -hmm. um, unlike Roswell, which, as I often say, is, is passing, sadly, from, from history into legend, as as first-hand participants die out. Um, unlike 
Roswell. Of, of course, Rendlesham, you know, all the witnesses are still there. Many of them are talking. Um, and that makes it very, very um, important in terms of television because TV producers, um, you know, people pitching programs on, on this say, well, we can make, make a show on this and we can get most of the people who were there. We can get the witnesses. So if anything, there are probably going to be even more documentaries on the Rendlesham incident. And, and that's why I say I, I think it's hugely important. Another factor is that there are ongoing Freedom of Information Act requests on this case because, for example, in the Ministry of Defence UFO files, which are, of course, in the process of being released here in the UK at the moment, one of the interesting documents that's emerged is is a paper, Ministry of Defence paper, so it's, it's actually on, on the department's own website, that says, after the Rendlesham Forest incident, General Gabriel, Commander-in-Chief, United States Air Force in Europe, flew specially to the bases and took possession of various items pertaining to this case. Well, what did he take? Where did he take them? What analysis was done on them? What conclusions were drawn? So, you know, there's still unanswered questions on this case, and there are still active lines of inquiry being pursued. I've heard some of the witnesses talk about this case, and I knew that one of the military um, staff members there actually touched the craft, but I had a conversation with James Fox last week, and he, he said, I believe it was James, that uh, they actually saw beings. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yes, it, it depends. Now, this is a confusing incident because it took place over a series of, some say two, others say actually three nights. Mm. Various different people were at different locations. So when the stories don't match up, sometimes it's, it's you know, difficult to, to say, you know, sometimes people get suspicious uh, and someone says, oh, this witness doesn't agree with that witness. Right. Now, my view, and I've worked with police on totally unrelated issues, but um, any police officer will tell you if two witnesses say exactly the same thing, they've probably colluded because human beings perceive things in different ways and interpret information in different ways. So you can be witness to the same thing, but you will see and recall and interpret in very different ways. So some people saw beings, some people saw vague shapes, some people didn't see anything, um, you know, relating to beings, probably because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we don't know. But yes, there are certainly stories about that. I've spent a lot of time with, with James Fox. Obviously, he, he produced um, Out of the Blue, very famous UFO documentary. Um, his new program, uh, his, his new show. Um, I know what I, I saw. I know what I saw, yeah. Um, that does feature, among others, Jim Penniston, who's the guy that you just mentioned. He's the, he's the United States Air Force officer who actually got close enough to this thing to touch it. Mm -hmm. And 
Colonel Charles Holt, who was the um, deputy base commander at the time of the incident, himself a witness uh, to this. So James has done a lot of excellent uh, work on, on this. Uh, interestingly, there was an Australian um, news magazine program called Sunday Night that went out a few weeks ago and it did a, a UFO feature. It's one of Australia's top news magazine shows. Uh, they do three different stories in the course of an hour and they did one on UFOs and it focused on the Rendlesham incident, the Cosford incident, another very famous British case, and generally the release of the Ministry of Defence UFO files. Oh, and a, a good radar visual case uh, from 1971. Um, and, and again, if, if if your listeners want to look at that, I think they they can just Google Sunday night, Channel 7, and UFO, and they should find it somewhere. But all, all that has slightly got away from the, the question that you asked me. Yes, of course, in, in all of this talk about Rendlesham and Bentwaters, um, the UFO research community owes a huge debt of gratitude to the late Georgina Bruni, who did so much work to bring this out into the public eye and particularly to highlight the testimony of military witnesses who had not previously gone on the record so yes i i that's why i said actually i felt the you know that i should dedicate my prg award to georgina and before we shine the spotlight on you uh and since we're talking about georgina bruni Former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher told her, UFOs, quote, UFOs, you must get your facts right and you can't tell the people. That statement must have been a, made a significant impression to Ms. Bruni since she named her book, You Can't Tell the People. Were you working at the Ministry of Defense when this happened? I was indeed, and I remember very well what happened because um, Georgina woke me up at two in the morning by phoning me. <laughs> to tell me that, um, I mean, Georgina was um, very much somebody who, she was an events organizer, a socialite, somebody who moved freely among diplomats and military personnel and um, intelligence officers. And she was very, very well connected. And she hosted a series of legendary parties. She'd actually, earlier in her career, been director of something called the Yacht Club, which was a place where the Ministry of Defence Protocol Office took visiting foreign diplomats uh, to wine them and dine them, etc. Um, she had been to this charity fundraiser where Baroness Thatcher, um, Margaret Thatcher, the right. former Prime Minister, had been the guest of honour. And Thatcher had gotten off an aeroplane she was tired, she was jet-lagged. Um, by some accounts, she'd had a couple of glasses of whiskey, one of her <laughs> favorite tipples. And Georgina Bruni effectively um, just buttonholed her and started talking to her about the UFO issue and the Rendlesham Forest issue. And that's when Baroness Thatcher turned to Georgina and uttered that, that quote, 
UFOs, you must get your facts right, and you can't tell the people. And Georgina said, what do you mean? Right, what do you mean? Yeah, but Thatcher simply repeated it. No explanation, no, no elaboration. She simply repeated the phrase, you can't tell the people. And, and of course, Georgina, who had been agonizing over the title of the book, suddenly realized she had one. Right, <laughs> She decided exactly. to phone me at two in the morning to relay this conversation to me. Now, obviously, when anyone is phoned at two in the morning, particularly when they have work the following day, they often have a sense of humor failure. Right. But Georgina was a very good friend, and um, I didn't have to listen to more than 10 seconds of the conversation to realize that this was something very important. So I, I got up, I made myself a black coffee, and, and we had a very lengthy phone conversation. Uh, I asked her all sorts of questions. I asked her to relay the conversation back to me. I, I made all sorts of notes. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting situation. Well, like, let's turn on the spotlight onto you now. This is your show tonight. I call the show Diary of a Real X-Files Investigator. I know jokingly you were referred to as the real Fox Mulder, but in reality, you're the real, or you were the real Fox Mulder. Prior to joining the British Ministry of Defense, please take us back prior to that moment. Give us a bit of your background growing up in England, and what circumstances led you to the position you held for so many years? Well... I originally had planned um, a career in law. So I went to to college and studied for a law degree, but I got halfway through that and I realized that, you know, I'd made a mistake. It it just wasn't for me. So I left and and then I thought, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my father, who was a very senior in the Ministry of Defense, said, well, you know, why don't you join um, the MOD? Just, just briefly, he said, while you're working out what you want to go back to, to do at college and, uh, you know, where you want to go. So I, I took his advice and I joined. And then very quickly... I got promoted, and then I got promoted again, and then I got into all this interesting work, and then the Gulf War, the first Gulf War started, and I um, joined into some very interesting... Uh, yeah, um, late, late. Uh, what was it, August 1990, Correct. that Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Right. Uh, then there was the build-up. I was seconded into a place called the Joint Operations Center, and specifically the Air Force Operations Room, where I was essentially a briefer. And then, of course, the ground war started, I think, what was it? Um, end January? of January 1991, right. I think. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the bottom line is, once, once I got sucked into the Ministry of Defense, uh, I was there for the next 21 years uh, because it was so fascinating. And... I had a series of jobs. I mean, I had the most amazing career there. I've, I've done some incredibly interesting things, had some amazing experiences. I mean, obviously, done the UFO job, but I've also you know, done everything from uh, steered an aircraft carrier, 
to visit Kosovo, had two trips to Iraq, which as a civilian is quite an interesting experience, driving around the streets of Basra in an armored convoy and things and thinking, what am I doing here? Is this prior <laughs> to, to uh, Gulf War II? Uh, no, it's after. So oh, things okay. Are, things are pretty hairy. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've just done these amazing things, and uh, maybe it's been luck, but I've happened to have been in the right place at the right time and, uh, as I say, done some interesting things. And then post 9-11, I happened to find myself in Directorate of Defense Security. And then, again, as you can imagine, being in security post 9-11 is an extremely interesting place to be and again you're very much at the heart of things and you go to work you do your job you come back and you see things that you've been dealing with on the evening news shows and then you know that there are other things that you've been dealing with that you will never see on on the evening news shows and you just think this is an interesting life so basically, you got information, obviously, that the population never got, which is a privileged position to be in. But take me back to the day when you said to yourself, this is my job. I'm going to be analyzing and, and researching UFOs. We're very interested to know into that moment. Well, it does go back to early 1991 when... As I say, I had been seconded on into the Joint Operations Center, right. uh, the Air Force Operations Room, in the, the run-up to and, and then the actual ground war, the air war, the ground war, um, the first Gulf War. Um, sure. And the person to whom I was most closely working, so my immediate boss there, was... I think impressed with my work ethic. I was always somebody who, um, in, in the Joint Operations Center, I, I won't go into too many details for obvious reasons, but you, you did 12-hour shifts. You would do 8 till 8, say daytime. You'd do five of those. Then you would go back to your normal peacetime duties, maybe for a week. And then you would get another five shifts. And this time you would do, say, 8 to 8, night. Now, I, I I suppose gained a reputation as somebody who was prepared to um, you know, do my fair share of night shifts, volunteer right. for all the, the difficult things. I was always early, if not on time, uh, never late. I, I was always prepared to stay late if something needed doing. Um, you know, I prided myself. I mean, this this is... You're the dream work. staff member. Well, yeah, hopefully. Um, and rightly or wrongly, for whatever reason, I, I impressed my immediate boss. And he said, look, I've got a vacancy. So he said, after, you know, the war ends, he said, obviously, you're going... I, I, he said, I know, because we'd spoken about this. He said, I know you're looking for a move from from the job that I was in beforehand. Mm. He said, look, I've got a vacancy. I would actually quite like to recruit you into it. And I said, okay, what's the job? And he, he laughed and he said, well, actually, it's UFOs. 
And I looked at him. He looked at me. I'm putting myself into your shoes, Nick, and I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> and I said, right. <laughs> I think I said, right, with about five eyes in the middle. You know, uh, right. Yeah. And um, he said, no, no, seriously. He said, it's the UFO job. And I did know that there was one. I'd seen it in the Ministry of Defense's classified phone directory where it lists all the jobs and of course everyone looks through that and thinks uh, where do I want to go next right but, but I never thought I would be offered it and so <laughs> I said okay um, I wasn't sure quite what that would do to my career at the time I was pretty career minded but I thought well you know this guy's pretty you know switched on operator he's uh, obviously to do the job he was doing um, and Nick, at the time, were you interested in this topic? No. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. I wasn't interested in it. I knew nothing about it. Um, and with hindsight, of course, that's probably the best mindset to have had. Absolutely. I think if I'd have gone into that job with any you know, preconceived ideas about the phenomenon, any baggage in terms of knowledge and belief, I wouldn't have gone in in the way that I think you have to go into that job, right. which is it's, you must be open-minded and you must simply say, I will set aside whatever I know or think about this and I will simply go where the data take me. I will do the investigations, you know, and I will come up with, with my best assessment of what was seen. And it's not a question of believing it's aliens, and it's not a question of believing it's all hoaxes. You must absolutely have a neutral mindset and, and just do the investigations and see what you come up with. So you were sitting down, you said right to your boss, you accepted. What happened next? Well, I went along, and the situation at the time was that you would generally start your new job on a Monday morning, mm -hmm. and you would sit with the previous incumbent for generally a week, and you would shadow them. So for the first few days, they would effectively be doing their job, and you would be watching and listening and learning. Right. You'd be... You'd get, obviously, a briefing from from your predecessor. You'd look into the files. Uh, and then generally, when it got to about the Wednesday, when you built up your confidence and your knowledge a little bit, um, you know, it's a question of, well, why don't you take the next phone call? Mm -hmm. So you would take a phone call, and it could be anything. It could be a member of the public phoning in a UFO sighting. It could be an Air Force officer talking about an encounter or something unusual that had been tracked on radar. It could be anything. You didn't know. That was the great thing about the job. The phone would ring. And you would never know what it was going to be. But you would have this situation, and um, you would inevitably kind of start your conversation by saying something like, look, I, I'm new, I've just taken over this job, so 
bear with me on this, but... Um, and, and so that would happen about midway through the week. And by the Friday, you were very much um, on your own. And at Friday lunchtime, of course, it was the, the tradition that that was your predecessor's last day. Mm-hmm. So you would all go out for a big big leaving drink. Right. <laughs> and back in those days, you wouldn't do any work for the rest of the day <laughs> for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> Um, Some could claim that they could do the job better after the, the lunchtime. Indeed, but uh, yeah, we we you know we were realistic and pragmatic about that. Sure, uh, I'll, I, I'd better not go into too much detail about that. But um, anyway, suffice to say, you would do a week's shadowing, and and then the next week it was you, and you were the guy, um, and and. That was it. So only one week to train you on that, uh, in my opinion, a monumental job? Yeah, but you know that's the culture. Um, The Ministry of Defense encourages people who are self-confident, self-starters, who are not afraid of of just jumping in and, Mm -hmm. and gripping an issue. That's that's the mindset that you want. See, my first question would be, if I were offered that job, of course, I would say yes. I didn't. I don't even have to utter the, the word yes. But <laughs> it would be, so you're admitting that this is real. Did that go through your mind? No. I, I mean, because I think, you know, the word real is a very loaded word, and it means different things to different people. True. Um, obviously, UFOs are real, but of course, UFO does not mean alien spacecraft. UFO, Correct. Yeah. It, it, simply something in the sky that somebody can't identify. And nobody, be they the, the most diehard skeptic, would ever say there aren't things in the sky people can't identify. So, so by having a job where your duties in, involve researching and investigating UFOs, in no way implies that the Ministry of Defense is corporately signed up to the idea of extraterrestrial visitation. Now, of course, conversely, neither can the department rule that out as an explanation. Self-evidently, if if you have a hardcore of UFO sightings that can't be explained, self-evidently, you can't rule out any particular theory or potential explanation for that. But but as I say, having a UFO project doesn't mean you believe in aliens. Nick, is that term UFO something that you used back then? As you probably know, flying saucer was replaced to UFO. Isn't the term UFO a disinformation phrase or acronym? Well, we felt um, I, I worked very closely with a particular individual in the defense intelligence staff on this issue. And on one occasion, we had a meeting and we sat down and we said, look, most of the difficulties that we face in terms of getting funding for um, in-depth studies into this, into getting defense ministers and senior air force officers to take this issue seriously. Most of the problems come from the fact that the phrase UFO has so much 
baggage attached to it. Um, you couldn't go into a meeting and say, I'd like to talk about UFOs w- without you know, running into all sorts of problems. So we sat down and we decided to effectively ban the term UFO and replace it with UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, um, and rebrand the whole issue as a scientific issue, um, very much pegged on exotic atmospheric physics, um, plasmas, meteorological phenomena, etc., etc. So we we effectively said, look, we're not going to use the phrase UFO anymore. It's going to be UAP, and and that's the way we dealt with that. What's the difference between FO and AP? Um, no difference at all. It's just labels. It, this was simply a piece of very clever rebranding aimed aimed at um, getting around the problem that everyone thought UFOs was just science fiction, but UAP sounded more like science. Did you ever work with a counterpart in the United States? No. Um, the Ministry of Defense was told, as indeed everyone has been told, that when Project Blue Book closed down in 1969, that was it. Yeah. So, um, we, but, but the other more important point was, and I think this was a mistake, but um, my terms of reference constrained me by saying that my brief was to research and investigate UFO sightings that had taken place in the United Kingdom air defense region. So so basically anything in British airspace, that was fine. I didn't have a remit to, to go out into the wider world. Now, I, as I say, I think that was a mistake. Clearly, this is a global phenomenon. Clearly, uh, other countries have important pieces of the puzzle and no one was putting the whole jigsaw together but bear in mind i i was at the you know junior managerial rank and i i was not uh, as i was later in my ministry of defense career when i got to deputy director level but i was i had nowhere near the the power and influence that I had at the tail end of my career. So I, I just very much had to accept the, um, the the constraints that were placed on me and and operate within the boundaries uh, that I was given. Nick, I'm going to ask you some questions and I wonder if you have to put on or take off your military or civilian hat. Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? I, I am absolutely convinced that there is life elsewhere in the universe. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
Thank you.